0: The more work you do, the more people that you become friends with, the more people who can see the quality of your work, the more that when they hear of other opportunities, they have you in mind. And you really can't, in your mind, have a linear path of how you get from here to there. But when I look backwards, it is those fortuitous kinds of relationships that you build along the way that do open up opportunities for you.
1: Welcome to Lifting Up, Lessons from Verizon Women Leaders. I'm Sally Hubbard. In each episode of this special series, we celebrate a Verizon role model. We hear their success stories and glean wisdom from the ups, downs, and detours of their journey. By amplifying diverse voices, we learn the unique superpowers that each one of us brings to the table. Today, I'm here with Mickey Chen, the Senior Vice President and General Counsel for the Verizon Global Network and Technology Organization. Mickey also serves on the board of Music Corps and is a Henry Crown Fellow of the Aspen Institute. Mickey, congratulations. You are killing it. Thanks, Sally. Could you start by talking about what your role at Verizon entails?
0: Sure. I'm the lead lawyer for our global network and technology organization. So, my primary client is our company's chief technology officer. That group has responsibility for planning future technology. They also run our wireline and wireless operations. They also have responsibility for our corporate IT group. So I feel so fortunate because we are a technology company. We're, at heart, a networking and technology organization. So everything that we sell rides on the network, and I get to be a part of the operations and the planning and looking at new technologies. It's, in my opinion, the best job in legal other than Craig's.
1: So you understand law and you understand technology. That's right. There's not a lot of people that can do both of those things.
0: There are actually a good number of people in the legal department, but it does require a willingness to learn things that you didn't learn in law school. And I was a history major in college, and so going from being a liberal arts person to a technology-slash-lawyer has been an evolution, but it's incredibly fun.
1: Could you also talk about the organization Music
0: Corps that you're involved in? Sure. It's an organization that helps wounded veterans recover from the trauma of being at war through conservatory-level rigor music education. So it started off at Walter Reed, and the head of that organization brings professional musicians to work with the, the wounded soldiers. Some of them are triple amputees, some of them have cognitive issues. And through music, they regain their confidence. And this organization, which really started with just one person, has now grown to serve, you know, I can't remember, I think maybe 60 wounded soldiers at a time right now. And they have played with Bruce Springsteen. They played with Roger Waters. They have played with symphony orchestras. They've played with Yo-Yo Ma. If you go online and you Google Music Corps, I think you'll be really impressed at the level of musicianship. And this really is just a life-changing experience for this. the wounded soldiers who come back from war, just really demoralized, their bodies are broken. And through music, they found a new outlet. They found things that motivate them. And I feel so fortunate that I'm able to contribute in a small way.
1: How did you get involved with
0: Music Corps? Like a lot of things, life is a little bit based on fortuitous interactions. So, I was at a cocktail party, I'm going to say maybe about 20 years ago, that a woman who's a lawyer in Washington invited me to. And she, in addition to being a partner at a law firm, was also a very talented violist. And when she was in college, she was friends with the head of Music Corps, this person named Arthur Bloom. And when I was talking with Arthur, we found out that we just had so many things in common. And so he asked me to join his board. And Arthur is very much of a creative person. And he kind of needs somebody to help him with respect to some structural aspects of his organization. And so I'm happy to serve as a sounding board for him. And because Verizon has a terrific pro bono program, I've also had some of the lawyers in the legal department help him out on contracts, intellectual property issues. So it's been a lot of fun. Oh,
1: that's amazing. It's great that you can do that in addition to your very big job here at Verizon. Speaking of your big job, looking back on your career path, what were some of the inspirations for the, the changes and the steps that you made along the way? Or could you take us through your path a little bit?
0: Well, I guess maybe starting from law school, I went to Harvard Law School. After I graduated, I clerked for a judge for a year in Washington, D.C. And I thought I'd come to Washington just for a year, and I just really liked it. So I, after clerking, I worked for Morrison & Forster, a big law firm. And I was a litigation associate there doing antitrust. And... President Clinton got elected, and a friend of mine from law school called me out of the blue and said that a woman partner from her firm was going to be the general counsel of the General Services Administration. And this woman, Emily Hewitt, had asked my friend to come down and be her special assistant. But my friend didn't want to do a commuter marriage, and so recommended to Emily that she should talk to me. And I was not discontent as an associate at a law firm, I actually felt like I was really well treated, and I had opportunities to gain a lot of experience, but there was no harm in having a conversation with somebody, and I had lunch with her, and even though before I went to lunch with her, I really did not know what the General Services Administration did, she really opened up my mind to a totally different opportunity. And so I was an associate at a law firm, doing litigation, going down one path, but then thinking, that it could be really interesting working with her. She was very charismatic. She is very charismatic. She was the partner at Hill & Barlow, the head of their real estate group. Before that, she was in the first class of ordained female Episcopal priests. She's a nationally ranked race walker. She was a civil rights activist. And I was thinking, how can I not want to work with this person? She was so warm. And she said to me, that if I came to work with her, she would treat me as a partner, not as an associate. And that really was an appealing thought. So because the GSA was a little bit far afield from where I thought I wanted to go, I thought if I ever went into government, I would probably go to the Justice Department. I hesitated for a minute, but then I thought, I like her. I can have an incredible opportunity. There's no harm in doing it. I can always go back to working for another part of the government or going back to a firm. So I, I took the leap. And I didn't regret it for a second. I worked for her for three years, and every day was something new. And she delivered on her promise, which was that she gave me big projects to work on. And she trusted me. So I worked on legislation. I worked on very significant matters for the agency in cross-agency initiatives. So I worked with senior people in the Department of Defense, in the White House, et cetera. I wrote speeches for the administrator of the General Services Administration. So as a young lawyer, I had an incredible experience. And in addition, it was, for me, just lovely to have a female mentor. I really didn't have that before that. When I was at the firm, there were only three women partners in my office. And I just reveled in seeing a very strong female leader of a big organization And it was a wonderful experience. When Emily was thinking about doing something else, I really didn't think of the rest of my career just staying at GSA. And it happened that a headhunter called me and said that there was a company, Bell Atlantic, a predecessor company to Verizon that was looking for a lawyer. And since I had had such a positive experience doing in-house work, the thought of going in-house was very appealing to me. But I didn't have any telecom experience. And so I was very fortunate because at that time, the general counsel of Bell Atlantic had a philosophy that he would hire the best athlete. He didn't care if you had deep knowledge in an area. If you could prove that you were a linear thinker and that you could teach yourself, that you would be able to thrive at Bell Atlantic. So luckily for me, that was his philosophy, and I ended up taking a job at Bell Atlantic which then, you know, became after many, many acquisitions into the company um, as it is now. So I've been at the company for quite a while. I've written, you know, all the various uh, mergers along the way. I've probably had more than a dozen jobs in, in the legal department.
1: More than a dozen. Wow. And what was the impetus of moving from job to job? I mean, were it just Was it just promotions or did you make any lateral moves? Yes, both.
0: You know, when you're at a big company in an industry that changes so often, you know, you have to sort of be open to new possibilities. And so when I first got here, I was the lawyer for small business sales, basically. And then somebody retired, and I took on another portfolio, which was in the federal government sales area. Well, in my small business area, one of the agents decided to become a competitor and sued Verizon And so for about two years, I was 100% involved in litigation. So I ended up being very deep into the antitrust and litigation groups. And then there was a merger with GTE and there was an opportunity for me to choose what to do next. And among the choices were to stay in the litigation group or to do what I had been doing before in small business sales or to become the general counsel of what was a newish subsidiary, which was the Long Distance Company. The idea of being the head lawyer for a group was very appealing to me. So of those three options, that's the one that I took. And one thing led to a next. I ended up getting promoted, I'm going to say, in the 2006 time frame. And building on being the Long Distance General Counsel, I ended up becoming the telecom marketing lawyer. So I had telecom voice services. I had advertising. And During that period was when technology started to change and there was this new technology called Voice Over Internet Protocol. And I asked the general counsel, if there was nobody working on that, could I work on it? And that probably was the best question I ever asked in my career because it was new, it was complicated, the law was unclear. It gave me the chance to really get deep into technology in a way that as an advertising lawyer or a marketing or sales lawyer, you really don't have the opportunity to get really that deep. I learned all about 911. That in and of itself is a very complicated area of, of voice and the regulations surrounding that service. And so as luck would have it, maybe about two years after that, the company decided that they were going to have a new role chief technology officer for all of Verizon. And it wasn't a job that they posted that they wanted a lawyer for, but people had heard that I had now developed some deep understanding of, of network and technology. And the lawyer that I had worked for on that litigation very early on in my career was the lawyer to whom the legal support for the chief technology officer was going to report to. So I already had that good relationship. And so one day he came into my office and he said to me, Dick Lynch, who's going to be the new chief technology officer, is looking for a lawyer. Would you be interested? And I was very interested in that. I was very fortunate because even though I was primarily a marketing lawyer at that time, he took a chance on me and decided that I would be his lawyer. That move opened up for me the opportunity to get really deep into what I really like a lot, which is that intersection between network and technology. It also allowed me to go from being a wireline lawyer to being wireless, and now it's more than wireless.
1: I love a couple things about this this story. First of all, I love that you asked. You said, are you gonna need a new lawyer for VoIP? And you took that initiative to ask for the opportunity. You didn't sit there passively waiting for someone to acknowledge your expertise and for something to happen. Like, I think a lot of times we just are so focused on putting our head down and doing the work and just expecting that the opportunities are going to come from just the work product instead of being proactive and looking for those opportunities and asking for them and having that. To ask for it. I love that. And the other thing that I wanted to point out from that story is how much your relationship mattered. Because we've been talking a lot on these podcasts about relationships and networking and how building those relationships is is so critical to your career success. And it was that relationship that was helpful in you getting the ultimate position and, and how these opportunities to propel our career to the next level often come from people.
0: That's absolutely right, you know, when I think about all the fortuitous connections that have led me down the path that I'm on, from my friend from law school who recommended me to Emily, to having that opportunity to thrive in a general counsel's type position, which made me somewhat appealing when I went into a general counsel's office, and then, you know, as you said... The more work you do, the more people that you become friends with, the more people who can see the quality of your work, the more that when they hear of other opportunities, they have you in mind. And you really can't, in your mind, have a linear path of how you get from here to there. But when I look backwards, it is those fortuitous kinds of relationships that you build along the way that do open up opportunities for you.
1: And you're right. It's never a straight path of where you you can't really project where you're going to be and Pretty much everyone I've spoken to has said that. Looking back on their career, it's a zigzag. And maybe at the time, it doesn't feel like it makes sense. But then when you look back on it, it all makes sense, right?
0: You know, sometimes people ask me, you know, how do they advance? And I tell them that every person's trajectory is is very individual. But something that I've heard time and again, which I hope that people can get beyond, is that sometimes to go ahead, you have to maybe go sideways, or you might even have to go a little bit backwards from the perspective of, you know, if you're at a senior, a level of seniority right now, you know, you might report to somebody who you think of as a peer, but actually just the opportunity to go into a new area, regardless of whether you're reporting to somebody who you think of a peer, you should take that opportunity. You should try to just keep learning and expanding because you really don't know when new opportunities will come up. People have asked me, oh, should I take that position? But right now I'm supervising people and that new position, I won't be supervising anybody. I say, if that's an area that's growing that you're going to learn, especially in a place like Verizon, where things keep changing a lot, don't hold yourself back because you think you're going from a supervisory role to a non-supervisory one.
1: And also following what interests you. It sounds like that's what you did. You followed what you found to be most interesting. And I think that requires someone being in touch with yourself, which a lot of people have a hard time doing, you know, like what knowing even what it is that they want to do or what's interests them. But you knew, okay, the technology side was what really appealed to you and you followed that.
0: But, you know, I wouldn't have known had I not done that VoIP project. You know, I think that in order to grow, you have to go outside of your comfort zone. And you'll go there and you'll either like it or you don't like it. And if you like it, great. Then you can go in that direction further. And if you don't like it, you've learned something. And then you can go in a slightly different direction. But I think sometimes people feel a little bit stuck and they don't know which way to go. And I say then just go in a direction because that's more information than you have other than, you know, staying where you are.
1: Just go in any direction that feels right.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Looking back on your career, are there any particular highlights that stand out in your mind of things that you're proud of?
0: It is hard to say because there are so many sort of small successes along the way. Among the successes is when we've launched our first VoIP service, taking it from just an idea to actually a product that went out into the market. That product ultimately wasn't a huge success But just the process of getting it out the door and solving all of the myriad legal issues was, for me, a personal point of satisfaction. Right now, we're working on bringing to fruition the next generation of uh, wireless broadband. It's called 5G. We've had small successes along the way with respect to testing that technology out in a pre-commercial way. And this year, we're going to launch and I'm going to feel really happy when we do that. And furthermore, we're going to also launch 5G mobility services. And when we do that, I think the whole company is going to have an incredible sense of pride because we're going to be first. We are going to be delivering the platform that's going to enable things like autonomous vehicles, autonomous vehicles, remote surgery, internet of things on a massive scale. So I'm really looking forward to being able to tell you next time we talk that that is gonna be from a Verizon perspective and a career perspective, a big accomplishment, because it's very complicated.
1: Wow, that, that is very exciting. So you have small successes that have built up throughout your career. Now you're looking into the future for your next success. What is something that you know now that you wish you had known when you were starting out in your career?
0: You know, there are a number of women who've pointed out that school is really different than not being in school. And you, when you're in the real world, really need to speak up for yourself much more. And I think that when I first started out, I just assumed that it was like school. You did your work really well, and you got a good grade on your work. But you really have to be more of an advocate for yourself. It's not just choosing the courses and doing the coursework. And you really have to be much more deliberate about what you want and not being shy about telling people that this is what you're doing now. You'd be interested in the following other areas. And I, I think that I would recommend for people that are earlier on in their career to not be shy about asking for opportunities.
1: You know, we see all the women in the top levels of achievement in school, but then we don't see women in the top levels of most industries. Most industries, that's very male heavy at the top. And I do think there's this real disjunct there, right? So you have to, like you did, ask for those opportunities and really be proactive and not expect that if you just work really hard, it's going to get noticed and you're going to keep getting promoted and getting new opportunities. But it sounds like you did learn that. You knew that lesson, at least at some point you were able to ask, but you think even younger you could have known it.
0: Yeah, I think that I could have been more confident to ask for more opportunities.
1: Have you had mentors at Verizon that have given you guidance along the way?
0: You know, I have. I mean, I wouldn't say I've had formal mentors, but I have had folks in the legal department as well as people that I have supported who have mentored me and given me good advice. One of the things that I like a lot about the legal department is that there's really a sisterhood. And I feel like I've got sisters in the legal department who I talk with about work things as well as work-life balance issues. You know, I became a mom kind of late. I was 43 years old. And, you know, having this very supportive group of women who had children about ways to make that balance more manageable. Because the truth is, a lot of our jobs are 24-7 jobs. And how can you, you know, have a fulfilling non-work life at the same time as you're doing the work that the company needs you to do?
1: Yeah, that's, that's such an amazing thing to say that there's a sisterhood in the legal department. I think that's a really rare thing. The Verizon credo, what role has the credo played in your career? What does it mean to you?
0: Well, the credo has a lot of really important core values. But, you know, the one that for me I think is so important is the one about teamwork, because there is nothing that the company does that can be successful without very large teams all working together. And that's everything from network to IT to finance to legal. And that's what makes work actually really fun, because you have to work with others, and you learn a lot from working with others. And I love that teamwork is at the heart of one of the precepts of the credo.
1: You know, collaboration is something that has been you know understood for a long time to lead to much better business results. Collaboration is kind of a stereotypical feminine trait. And what I've been finding are all these different kind of superpowers that women have that We don't often give ourselves credit for. Collaboration is definitely one of them. Have you found that you've used collaboration a lot in your career?
0: Well, very much so. I mean, particularly since the role that I play is as a line of business lawyer. And the only way that I can be successful is if I really can partner with all of the subject matter experts so, for example, I collaborate a lot in the legal department. I'm not a subject matter ac- expert on tax law, on labor law, on aspects of state regulatory. And so I have to reach out to all those subject matter experts and bring them, engage them in conversation. And actually, that is so much fun because you learn so much. Similarly, on the client side, you know, having to collaborate with engineers, with finance people, marketing people, with PR and again, you know, you can only be successful if all of you are rowing together in sync. And I, and I really enjoy that. Does
1: collaboration come naturally to you or did you have to kind of learn how to do it or train yourself at it?
0: No, because I know what I don't know. I feel like that was, it was very natural to me to always reach out to people and ask questions and then to try to connect people. So that actually I felt was my strong suit. And that's why, even in the legal department, there are all different kinds of lawyers. Some lawyers are subject matter experts and they go very deep in a narrow subject. That wouldn't be a good match for what I feel is my strong suit. I feel like what I can do best is to pull together the disparate strings and to try to impose some kind of order on, you know, what may be a very complicated situation.
1: So collaboration might be one of your superpowers then. We've been talking about superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) Any parting bits of wisdom? Any last thoughts? I mean, you've given us great advice that we should be asking for those opportunities, harnessing our collaboration superpowers as women. Any other last parting bits of advice that you would share with a younger woman who's maybe starting out their career or a peer at Verizon?
0: I would just say that just be open-minded. There might be some opportunities that may not initially seem like what you want to do, but you should be open-minded about what that experience could bring for you. And similarly, if you see a job that's posted and they ask for five or six different qualities, and you only have one, or you might have experience in just two of the six areas, you really shouldn't hold yourself back and say, well, they're obviously looking for a very different kind of person because... You know, like I said earlier in my career, somebody gave me a chance, even though I didn't have any telecom background. And you may be surprised that there isn't somebody who has all of the six requirements that they ideally would like to find in a candidate. So I I would urge people that, you know, you should follow your gut about what you're interested in and just, you know, keep trying.
1: Just go for it, even if you don't think you have all the qualifications. That's definitely great advice. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for your time. This has been such a pleasure. And I know you have such a busy schedule. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Thanks, Allie. Thanks for listening to Lifting Up, lessons from Verizon Women Leaders. Tune in next time for another inspiring story of women leaders forging their paths to success and sharing the lessons they've learned along the way.